We don't break it down into pieces and take the one we like. We follow the word of God fully. When we are following that, building our lives, that's how faith is being built, us, built up inside us. Now, remember we said, so we've talked about that. Precepts, you know, the third thing, that number one, interpretation of life. Number two, what we expect. Number three, the precepts of life that we walk by. And that's what I'm talking about today. And last of all, the words that we speak. Actually, the words we speak will be derived from all these other things. They just are the natural overflows or the things are inside our hearts. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's just the valve through which things flow out. So let's talk about that precepts thing. Now, okay, for the rest of the time that we'll have, okay, most likely I'll be able to do that better next time. Let me just introduce it today and then we don't have to stay too long. I'll close. Now, Jesus said to us in that Matthew chapter 7, and again, what is in Psalm 118? This life, what makes one person different from the other is the way he lives. That is, the precepts upon which his life, her life is built. That is what makes us different from each other in this life. For, for believers, that is one thing that would distinguish us from the world. If you see what we wrote about Kingdom World Ministries, that what we are doing is to separate the church through the teaching of the precepts of God. That the way believers behave is supposed to be different from the way the world behaves. And what am I saying today? We make sure we learn how we are supposed to live as disciples of Christ Jesus. If we do that, faith is automatically built in our hearts. Let me say something to us quickly. Spiritual things work like this. Many times what you are looking for, what you are aiming for, you get the people who get the thing people are looking for many times are not really directly aiming for them. Do you get my point? I want to start from that point. There's a reason you see what I'm trying to say in a moment. Sometimes when God says behave in a particular way, people will live that way and go after, let's take material possession as an example. They will go after material possession. Then they will spend a long time, a lot of effort trying to achieve that. Meanwhile, if only they had gone according to the way that God said they should go, they probably would have achieved that even quicker. Let me give an example, which we all know. Solomon. He could have asked for material things, but he did not. He asked for wisdom. Then he got more material things that he had the capacity to ask for. Because if he had asked God for material things, what would he have asked for? Now, God gave him so much that he was tremendously rich, and the whole of Israel under him was very rich. But he did not ask for money. Let's talk about faith. As much as faith... Is what we are gunning for. That is, we want to have high levels of faith in our hearts. If we focus on faith as a way of getting things out of God, we often don't get anything. Those days we were taught. Of course, not as if those who taught us were wrong. Just that everything has stages of development. Most of the faith we learned as young children were, was taught to help us grab something. Do you get my point? Okay. Now, very little faith. I can't remember anybody teaching us faith so as to help us give up something. Now, but the truth is that the most effective faith gives. It doesn't try to collect. The ones that tries to collect usually struggles to collect. So you wake up every morning declaring, I declare this. So we have to learn those difficult things. For example, you want something from God? Yes, where you write your confession, 
Every day, you read out the confession, then you paint it on the wall, and occasionally we got some results. But we grew up and realized that that's not how it's supposed to be. What am I going to explain? Please, I'm going to tell this story again to, to explain this thing properly. I'm trying to bring out one concept here. I'm going to get back to the issue of how we work, but I want to bring out the concept that it's not what you are looking for. Directly focusing on something is not what gets you there quicker. What gets you there quicker is just follow what God has said, even though that thing is not in your sight. And it also works like that with faith also. What am I trying to say? Ruth. That's why I said, listen to the series, The Gospel According to Ruth. If you read the genealogy of Jesus Christ, three odd, two of them very odd. Rahab. Okay? And then, Ruth. Now, why I wanted those two is that both of them were not Jews. Both of them. You know Rahab. She was a Jerichan. <laughs> is, is, is that my description? Okay. The woman was from Jericho. And she was not one of the fine girls in Jericho. She was a harlot in Jericho. She was not a princess in Jericho. She was a harlot in Jericho. Do you get my point? Now, it's, it's instructive that she was mentioned. But the Bible makes it clear it is by faith. It was her faith that brought her into that line. The same thing with Ruth. Ruth was not a Jew. Ruth was a Moabitess. And if you see the law of God, a Moabite was not allowed in the congregation of the people of God. He couldn't enter the temple up to the 10th generation. She was unclean, technically. As far as Israel was concerned, the Moabite race was unclean. That's what God told them. Now, let's get back to the issue of Ruth again. Please follow this. The Bible says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision profits anything. But what? Faith, which works how? Through love. Please, let me recommend again, even though you have read it before, go and read it again. Great faith can be yours. I wrote that book in two weeks. Based on this understanding I'm sharing with us again. Please go and read the book again. Great faith can be yours. Why was Ruth's faith, why was it great? This is my conviction. Remember I said something earlier? That faith is a gift of the Spirit. Whichever way you want to look at it, it's a gift of the Spirit. It's God that pushes into you that spirit of faith. If it doesn't give you the spirit of faith, you can't have it. Like I said earlier, why he does is the question we should be asking. So whatever Ruth did, she did it by faith, as a matter of fact. That was what brought her into the lineage of Jesus. And even though she was a Moabitess, she's honored till today. And we're speaking about her. But what I wanted to remember is that Ruth did what she did, not because she understood faith. She did not go to church and they taught her about faith. What happened to Ruth was that she had the love of Naomi in her heart. They asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, what do you think? He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with everything. He said, there's a second one that just like it. Thou shalt do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And if you go and read the book of Galatians, especially in chapter 5, Paul said, walk by the Spirit, all right? And you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Now, when Paul said that, please let me remind us again, he was not saying, before you make a decision, Close your eyes and speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is right, but that was not what Paul was saying. 
It was not saying, check your spirit. Let's see what your spirit is saying. Sokolo, pulolo, balala, belele, bololo, Toyota, Toyota, Toyota. What's my spirit saying? My spirit said, go to the right. So I'm walking by the spirit. That was not what Paul said. What Paul said is that every law has a spirit. The law has a spirit as a body. And I walk by the spirit of the law. And you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. What Paul called spirit there was love. I'm not guessing though. I know what I'm telling you. The spirit of the law is love. That's why Jesus said, upon these two commandments. What are the two commandments? Love the Lord with all your heart. Two, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that's all the law and all the prophets, everything. That's what they are. The commandments, that's where you find them. And Paul said, if we walk by the spirit. Let me say it again. When you see the word spirit in the Bible, please let me go over this again. If you see the word spirit in the Bible, there are so many uses. I saw a book, an e-book the other day from one particular, well, I do a bit of search when I'm looking for, uh, trying to study some things. So in, in my search, I started, stumbled onto a particular church website, downloaded a lot of their books. Like I was trying to get my history right, lining up um, what uh, Daniel prophesied, the two different major prophecies of Daniel with events over time. I wanted to just get my story correct. They really did a good job. I have about two or three of their materials, and I'm still reading them. But then they now have something on the Holy Spirit. I decided to read the book. And I laughed. You know why I laughed? They wanted to prove that there's no person called the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. Some people believe that. That there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's a power of God called the Holy Spirit. That is not a person. And they took time out and they gave a lot of scriptures. And I felt bad. Why I felt bad was that, you see, where they were making the mistake is that they didn't realize that there was spirit in the Bible. You must always read it in context to know exactly what the writer or the speaker was talking about. Because Jesus made it clear that there is a person called the Holy Spirit. You don't even, I don't need Paul to tell me. I don't need James to tell me. I don't need it from John. Jesus said it clearly. He said, I am going. I will send another. The word another. Greek is a very precise language. English has another as a simple word. Greek has different words for another. The one he used is another of the same type. For example, if I tell you that I will go home and I'll, I'm driving away, say, I would like home. I say, look, let me go and drop this car at home. I will send you another transportation home. In Greek, when I say another, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm sending a car or something that's not a car. So if I go home with a car and I say, I will send you another. If I use the word another of the same kind, you will know I'm sending a car. Do you get my point? So Jesus used the word another to show that he was sending another of the same type. And he always called him he. And he said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And if you read a man like G.N. Darby, he will explain clearly to you that the words, the definitive article tied to holy and spirit always refers to a person. Now, I'm not going to do that in details. What I want to just bring out is that I felt sorry for them because, you see, they took the word spirit anywhere they found in the Bible and used, thought that was referring to the Holy Spirit. So, therefore, you will find many places where it could not have been a person. I hope you're getting my point. For example, in Hebrews it says he makes his ministers spirits. Are you getting my point? <laughs> that is, it makes them like the wind. The word 
for spirit is also the same word for wind. Breath is the same word. I hope you're getting my point. Okay? Now, having read the Bible, there are other words that have been used that I've found out. Especially the New Testament. Love is also used. Spirit is also used to describe love. Whatever is pushing your motive, whatever you are doing, your motivation is also called spirit. So you have to read it in context to know exactly what is being spoken about. And I'm going to talk about it as we go on. Time will not allow me today. That we must learn to watch our spirits. We must learn to watch our spirits. Okay? Now, so, when Paul was now speaking there, and he said, walk by the spirit. We thought, over time, people assumed that he was talking about, check your inside your spirit. Inside us. No, 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 no. What Paul said, what is the spirit of the law? The spirit of the law is love. So he said, walk in love. So you see the word walk in love dotted all over Paul's writings, John's writings, Peter's writings, even James. All of them emphasized it. And exactly the same thing they were teaching. So when Paul said, walk by the Spirit, in that context, he was saying, make sure love is a deciding factor for everything that you are doing. When um, Ruth was going to make her decision. You know why Ruth made her decision? Love for Naomi. The Bible says, prefer one another in love. Is that not what he said? What was Naomi doing? Naomi was trying to explain to her how, why she should take care of herself as an individual. That is, Ruth, take care of yourself. Up at her greed and gone. He said, Ruth, take care of yourself. But Ruth's idea was that I'm younger. You need more care than I need. I will handle my future later after I've settled you. So that love for her was so strong, listen to me, it built faith in her heart. Even though she was not deliberately trying to have faith, I hope you're getting my point. It built faith in her. What am I going to introduce? We'll continue next time. Listen, people of God, if you will commit yourself to what they call the love of God, faith will be built in your heart automatically. You say, what is the love of God? Of course, two of the, the love of man is also part of it, but it's secondary. All right? It's the second. The first is love for God. All right? And what I want to bring out is that, because what I want to go into now is to show that as believers, we must be committed to walking according to the precepts of God. Not trying to build faith to get something from Him. A commitment to the precepts of God. That will cause faith to be built automatically into our hearts. Very, very important what I'm going to say here. Now, you know what we read just now, Psalm 118? It said, anything you want to do in life, Jesus also quoted it. He said, David said, I am down. Psalm 118. What we read just now. He said, I'm down. I need to get out of where I am. That is the down place where I am. I need to be lifted from the low position into a high one. He said there are different ways by which a man, a woman, can be lifted. And those ways for lifting is called gates. I hope you're getting my point. In other words, of all the gates you will find in life, some or one of them, in fact, actually in every situation, one of them is the gate of God. Let me go over that again. If I want to be promoted in life, many opportunities will be given to me to achieve promotion. Many methods will be taught to me by which I might achieve promotion. He said, when I scan all of them, 
What I must do as a believer is to look for the one that God is saying through different ways. One, basically, because it is the right one that is devoid of iniquity. Let me give an example. He said in Psalm 45, because you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity, like in Jesus said, wickedness. He said, therefore God, even thy God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. You know, many years ago, you've heard me use this illustration before, but it's so perfect, I have to use it again. When there were so many small, small banks in Nigeria, before a lot of them collapsed, and they became even, they became very few, and then Charles Ludo came and said, look, if you are too small, you can't be a bank, and they became even fewer. But those early days when there were a lot of banks, I had a discussion with a friend, with, with friends, but I didn't like what the, of course, the bankers were generally my age that time, okay? Young bankers, they were generally my age. And I thought they were the most undependable human beings I ever saw. I know what they said. So one day I picked up one of them. He said it's the quickest way to be promoted. Ah. Because literally what the banks used to do is that they always, because there were many, and they wanted experienced staff, so they used to poach from each other. So if, for example, now let's use banks that still exist till today. So take a bit like maybe GT Bank, First Bank, Zenith, Access Bank. Give me another one. UB, UB. Okay, so if UBA wants to poach from, let's say, or oh, you are leaving GT Bank, you are going to UBA. UBA will give you a rank above where, what you were, where you're coming from. So now most of those banks were small, not like big banks like UBA and First Bank and GT Bank and Zenith of these days. They were very small banks. So to build up the strength of their staff, what they did was to quickly, they, they preferred people that had been trained by the bigger banks. Okay, so you've been trained, you have experience, so they always will give you more money and a, at least a rank above where you're coming from. So, for example, if you're an assistant manager, they made you what they call, what they call a deputy manager. Okay? And if you're a deputy manager, the next bank you're going to, you're a manager. And if you're a manager in one bank, next one you're going to, you're a senior manager. So, this is what used to happen. A man gets a job, let's use one of the banks of today, First Bank. He gets a job in First Bank. He can return to First Bank again in five years' time. And there'll be two positions ahead of people he came in together with. Because he left First Bank after a year, went to Zenith. Zenith made him um, maybe second level of officer. Then from there he left, he became assistant manager. He went to another bank. Then by the time he wants to negotiate, of course, usually it's not with the big bank. Because those ones don't take that. At that level, they don't. But then he gets to another bank. Okay, let's just he gets to another bank. You see, in a few years, he's a manager. But if he has stayed in that same bank, he probably would have just moved like one position in about or two maximum in five years has been there. But he can move within five years to becoming a manager from just being a banking officer. Jumping like four levels. That was what they used to do. So I was wondering, how do you live like this? So I picked up a discussion with my guys. I said, this is not right. They said, no, that's the, way to, that's the quickest way to rise. I said, no, you don't understand. I'm not talking about whether you are rising or you are falling. I'm talking about what is right for a human being to do. Do you know, I couldn't get one person to agree with me. They said, that's how the system works. That's how you play the system. I said, excuse me. You go to a place. They train you. Expecting you to work with them for some time. Then you leave because somebody... I said, don't you know what they call unfaithfulness? Now, what I'm talking about, all right, is the fact that people said... This is the way to move forward. 
There's a quick way to move forward. And I said, you are not getting my point. I'm saying, can you live like this as a human being? I didn't know that. No, my problem was that I had church mind. Like we say. I said, no, things are not done. Let me tell you something about Christianity. Let me say it again. You know, I said to us before, Christianity is, Christianity is radical. Hmm? Christianity is radical. There are times you just don't do some things because you just can't do it, just not your nature. Even though you are losing. Do you get my point? Your friends will move and say, are yeah, you not moving? You say, guys, I can't. Why? Oh boy. Were you not there when they sent us for training your daddy? How much do you think they spent? How long have we been here? No, please, I have a conscience. That's how you will sit down there and life will pass you by. But at least God will not pass me by. See, let me say something again. When people say they are led by the Spirit, I'm sorry, you know, there are people who have, you know, <laughs> I have my, my own name everywhere. People describe me different ways. People have described me that Pastor Banky does not believe in hearing the voice of the Spirit. Yes, I don't. Because most of the time it's lying, you're lying. What I say is that when the Spirit wants to talk to you, He will talk to you. It's not as if you'll be tuning your ear. Balaam heard God and it was wrong. I hope you're getting my point. I'm not saying the Spirit does not speak to people. I'm saying this one is going to kneel down until the Spirit speaks to you. Get up from there, my friend, go and walk. There's no need. When the Spirit wants to talk, He knows how to talk. He said, he said I should marry him. I want to pray until the Holy Spirit tells me whether to marry him or not to marry him. Oh, get, please, forget that thing. Pray and say, God, he wants to marry me. Help me to know whether I like him or I don't like him. Just pray like that. And then sit down and discuss with your friends and discuss with yourself. And pray for wisdom. Then look the guy. If you like him, marry him. If you don't like him, forget it. Pastor Banky, you are not spiritual. The spiritual person is not the person who hears voices. Is a person who reasons with the word of God. Please, let me say it again. Balaam heard God clearly. He said, go. Then the Bible says, as soon as Balaam got up to leave, God was angry that he was going. And God is not from Canada. They don't grow weed in his flower pot. That's what I mean. The last time I told you about the man I met on the plane, who showed me flowers in his house, and he said to me, was he beside me on the plane? He said, do you recognize this? I looked, at the, I looked at his phone, looked at him, looked at him like, boys, that's weed. <laughs> he said, that's cannabis. He smiled and said, yes. That he grows in his flower bed. Why? He said, it's legal, you know. I said, no, it's legal in your country. <laughs> in my country, you go to a prison. <laughs> The Lord is good. <laughs> now, and God does not smoke. Yet, after telling Balaam, go, he was angry that Balaam was going. Why? Because what you hear is not necessarily the will of God. What you hear is what you want to hear and what you can hear. That's why it does not impress me. I'm not saying God doesn't speak to people. He does. I'm just saying, don't worry about it. He knows how to speak when he wants to speak. And many times, he doesn't want to talk. And anytime he doesn't talk, you know what he's saying? I have taught you enough to make a rational decision. And your rational decision, according to the, what I, the instructions I've given you, is my will. Go and follow that. 
Nobody, listen, Balaam had God's direct phone number. He called God. They said I should go. Should I go? God said, well, if they say you should go, follow them. And he said, oh, correct, sir. You get your title when I come back. <laughs> I added that one to it. But the Bible says clearly. Let's read it. See, because someone I quote this in Numbers chapter 22. For time's sake, I just really get down to verse 20. Okay, let's start from verse 19. This was the second time they came. Now, please, you also stay here tonight because they had come before. That's why this also is coming up. And I will find out what else the Lord will speak to me. In verse 20, Balaam came, God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come to call you, rise up and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you shall you do. So Balaam arose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the leaders of Moab. But God was angry because he was going. Let's stop reading there. Who said he should go? The same God was now angry that he was going. Let me make a long story short again. Why did God say Balaam should go? Because Balaam wanted to go. His spirit does not always contend with man. When you get down to pray, forget all of these things, brethren. It is what you are willing to do. I have heard of men who said that God told them to divorce their wives and marry somebody else in the church. And there's no argument you want to give. They are sure God spoke to them. Before I used to say God didn't speak to them, it's now I know that God did. No, it's now I know. And that they told me the story of one one man that the whole church scattered because of marriage. When they asked him, "Sir, why why is church?" He said, "This is a woman God said I should marry." But everybody in church said, "No, but this is not right now." It does not follow the instructions. You are a teacher of the word. The things you have taught us, this does not fit, fit it. He said, hey, "Well, you people can say what you want to say, but God said." So please, if you are hearing, so that's why people think people say that uh, Pastor Mark does not believe in hearing God. I did. It's not so. I've been led dramatically, supernaturally, many ways before. I don't want to start boring you with stories. But now, I even look back and I start doubting that leading. Not because I'm not sure what I in quote heard, because now I realize that God only spoke according to what I could bear. I gave an example the other day that the day I got a job within 24 hours of asking for it, years later I looked back. I was now wondering, that, did God want me to have that job? Or I was too impatient. But he realized that, look, bank can't handle more than this. So it's okay, give him a job that he's asking for. It's possible. So I will not use that testimony to harass anybody. That I just get to your knees and say, God! <laughs> and within 24 hours, God will do something. Sometimes God will say, I know if I don't do something 24 hours, you will die within 24 hours. So I only did something to prevent you from dying. So don't go and harass my children with your funny doctrines. With your funny doctrine. I have not had the job for months. But that was a period in which daily I was being fed with the word. I have given the testimony many times. 500 hours thereabout. I listened to Bishop Oedepo alone in 8 months. Not counting the other ministers. I read books. I prayed. I went for meetings. You hear me tell the story of um, Ron Kennelly. Ron Kennedy was teaching, you know, we went to Victory, was it Victory, I think it was Victory Christian Center, half of the Lopo Taife. 
and he organized a massive program. And during the morning sessions, we have the ministers' meetings. And I was in a class being taught by Ron Kenoli. So when I tell you Ron Kenoli's story, I heard it from his mouth directly. He was sitting in front of me, just a few seats in front of me like this. It was those days that I'll be going around in Lagos, and I'll stop, I'll see a poster, and I'll copy the address, and I'll go back to the house and tell the people in the house, please, how do I get here? It was just that period. Listen to the word of God all the time. Then one day I got tired. I said, God, I needed a job. And he gave me by the next day. I look back and I said, maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he just knew that this guy cannot endure more than these seven months of joblessness. Or eight months. But if he was able to endure it, I would have left him for a whole year and fed him with the word some more. Maybe, I don't know. But the job he gave me, it was only nights. During the day, I was still free. You know why? Because he was preparing me to be a teacher of the word. That was, um, that was my postgraduate studies in Bible. My undergraduate was when I was in university. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point here. So when we are talking about, you know, uh, somebody here, God, that's what I'm trying to say. Listen, don't, it's when you get the spirit right. We will know whether what you are hearing is right or what you are hearing is not right. That's what I'm trying to explain. So, back to what I'm trying to say. So, young men will be making decisions. And some will say, it's God that told them to do it like that. And I say, no, now. This is not the gate of God. God cannot be promoting you. And all the testimonies of the promotion is riddled with one trait. Lack of being dependent. That you're unfaithful, you're unreliable. And you say, it's God that's promoting you. you say, no, it's not God. It doesn't mean you were not promoted. That's why I went into that from. That's why I said nobody should come and harass me with God said. Yes, there are situations in which God speaks to people. And there's a way you will talk to me and I will know that God has to talk to you. That must have been the voice of God. Most times people tell me God said, I just put it to the side. I said, look, Balaam heard God. We don't know what he heard. Let's leave that in. Open to me the gates. That's what I'm talking about. We must deliberately say whatever I'm doing in life, I follow the gate of God. The gate of God does not always look nice. Many times it leads you to apparent physical loss. Many times, it, listen, our primary assignment in life as believers is just let me just be pleasing to God. That's all. I don't want to get money. I don't want to get fame. I don't want to get anything. I just want to be pleasing to God. Like one man said, and to me it was such a, just a beautiful thing. He said that they talk about mansion in heaven, crown in heaven, throne in heaven. He said, maybe they are true. He said, but it doesn't bother me. What I want is that well done, good and faithful servant. He said, if after that, he says, I should sit on a tree. He said, I'm fine. Crown of glory is not bad, though. Garment of this is good. Throne, fine. He said, but what am I gunning for? I want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Sometimes to hear the word, those words, you will lose money. Sometimes to hear those words, your mates will be promoted, you will not be promoted. Many times to hear that word, you will lose a lot of material things. 
That's why I ask Christians, what? That's why when we talk about spirit, that's what we call spirit. He said, let this mind or spirit actually we apply it there. Being you that was in Christ. That is, what are you gunning for? Let me drop it for you again today. It must be that in everything I do, it is pleasing to God. One of the things I learned those days when I have to make decisions is this. Listen, anything I want to do here. It used to scare me. That God will say, but I told you. You know that one, eh? I, a, I find it scary. I said, Banky, why did you go like this? And I said, this, this. And he said, but I told you. See, before you start listening for the voice of the Spirit, first use your spiritual reasoning and make sure that you really are at a jam. You know what they call jam? That you don't know where to go left or right. Until you have, you have exhausted your ability to reason, that is, until you have exhausted all the knowledge you have in reasoning, you are not going to hear any voice from the Spirit and it will be correct. What am I going to say? Let me give you a simple example. This marriage, a man comes and says, marry me. And you're a woman. There are some fundamental things. Is he a Christian? He goes to a particular... No, no, I didn't say... Is he, is he, ask yourself. Is this guy a true believer? If the answer is no, you are a sinner if you bring it up to God in prayer. Because don't talk to me about it. I don't want it discussed. I will give you enough information to know that he's not a Christian. A sister I travel wants to come and speak with me. Somebody I know, one way or the other, so it was okay for her to come. She just asked, look, can I come? I said, no problem, come. When she finished talking to me, I had to do this marriage matter. What do I do? That one, you know, the other time I said, go and pray, whatever God says to you. And I, I always say, look, listen, that's when I don't know what to say to you. There are times I know what to say to you, and I say, God says the Lord through me to you. I will tell you. But I finished describing the guy up and down. And there's one thing I find a lot of women always fall for. His mother really likes me. I've heard that in a lot of times. And, and, and my mind, why does he impress you? Is that not proof that you're a good girl? I've heard it. It's playing back in my head now. Here, there. I've heard it many times. One day, one of our sisters used to be here. He said, ah, his mother really likes me. I said, okay, don't be silly. Who will see you and not like you? I said, me as I did here, so I like you. Okay, Mute. He likes you. Israel, he likes you. I call all the women and say, we all like you. So if a woman somewhere likes you, it's just that you'll be a good wife for this useless son that she has. <laughs> Even the mothers of Amrabah want a good wife. Yes. Mother really likes me. And the sister finished talking to me that day. I looked at her. She now made a simple statement. Said he smokes. I said, what did you say? He said, I don't mean cigarette. Oh. I said, what? <laughs> I said, what did you say? I said, number one. Listen, please understand what I'm about to say. I'm not one of those who believe that if you smoke, you'll go to hell. No, I don't believe it. There's nothing like that in the Bible, right? Good. I said, but in Nigeria, Christians don't smoke. That was my first point. And number two, you are now using we will on top. I said, okay, he will not change. His mother wants you to marry him because he wants to stabilize his life. 
Do you look like crutches to you? I hope you're getting my point. Or do you look like uh, this orthopedic people used to, when person don't break him back, they will put it and screw it, plate and screw. I said, no, no, no. You are not P.O.P.O. Look, <laughs> the sister, my dear, thank you for coming. On God's behalf, I hereby declare, no. Hey, my this guy. And let me add new words. And don't pray about him again. Just go home. God has answered you today. I said, we have enough understanding to know this guy is a no-go area. So, young lady, a man comes to you. She wants to marry. He wants to marry. And God just reveals to you that he's not a believer. Please don't go and pray about it, too. You will hear evil spirits, though. I'm telling you, you will hear evil spirits. So, I'll give you another example. You are broke. You are flat broke. You have prayed in the name of Jesus. Father, please send me money. Then someone now comes to you and says, please, come and pretend to be this so-and-so person. In our office, they are sharing money. This other man has resigned. So you will come and sign that he's the one. The money is 80,000 naira. We'll give you 30. Just come. We'll, give, we'll forge one ID card for you. No, you, no, no, no problem. Just sign up. And how much will I get? 30,000. And this is exactly what you asked God for yesterday. This is what you will make as a mistake as a believer. You now go and ask God, is this you or it is not you? God will say, are you alright? This is what they call temptation now. It is when you are in need that they will tell you, turn your stones to bread. Don't, it's not a testimony. It is the gate of unrighteousness. And I've allowed that to come as a test for you to see whether you'll be established. Listen, in life, God is always trying to establish us. And what he does is to give us the opportunity to deliberately choose to do what is right and refuse that which is evil. That's how we are established. That is how we are established. That is how we are established. Even though 30,000 naira was what you prayed for, even though these people are offering you 30,000 naira, it's a gate of unrighteousness. You're about to go there, be a false witness. You're going to go there and lie. You're going to go there and sign that you're somebody that you are not. And this is a deed of darkness because you cannot come to the pulpit and testify about it. God says, therefore, you don't need to pray. Don't do it. Even if I don't come through, die in hunger. Leave it like that. That is what we mean when we're talking about building deliberately on the precepts of God and walking. Now, I've trying to explain the principle of walking through what? The gates of righteousness. How you know is God has opened the door. Is that the door will be right. Listen. God anointed David king. There was no doubt about it. At that point in time, Saul was a usurper. Saul was no longer the king. David was the king. I have a conviction. The other day, I read the story that, look, Samuel must have composed the book of Judges. All right? You know, if you check your Bible, who wrote Judges? It was Samuel. Samuel wrote Judges. First Samuel. Okay? Now, why did he write Judges? To explain the legitimacy of the throne of David. It was to prepare the people to receive David. Okay? That Samuel was instructed by God. So I have this conviction. Samuel used to instruct David. 
on what was right to do and what was wrong to do. And one of the instructions Samuel must have given him, or some of the wise men around that we don't know their names, must have taught David is, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Because how, do you, how did David know you're not supposed to? I hope you're getting my point here. So this man had been instructed by priests on how to do things. So God began to give him the opportunity. Two good times gave him the opportunity. It was so clear it was God. In quotes. Because this man is not the wrong king. Number two, you are the rightful king now. Number three is after you. So principle of warfare alone allowed you to kill him. It's called self-defense. The man is after my life. I hope you're getting my point here. But David said, no. I will have entered the throne that way through the gates of unrighteousness. Now, listen, it is not the throne that's the issue. It's how you got there. Because it's that mistake we made a lot of times, okay? We made that mistake. God said I should enter that throne. That is only half of the story. The second half is how. And that how is more important to him than any other thing. That how is more important to him. And as you go on in life, let me end it here. God, because it's not only in great and marvelous things like that, in little things of life, it happens. The other day I told him in my office I had an issue. I had taken some decisions, drastic. And people were on my side, some guys were on my side. The first they wanted to execute the decision that I had taken. I told them, forget it. They said, why? I said, because I just realized I'm fighting my own battle. And the Lord does not want me to fight my own battle. I said, leave the matter. It was painful. <laughs> He said, well, leave it, leave it. Let's trust God to take care of the thing. That is, everybody was going to be on my side. But the Spirit just said to me, in effect, now this is what they talk about, Spirit speaking. Are you getting my point? It's based on the word of God. You want to start fighting your own battles. People are looking for instructions. Let me tell you the first thing God is teaching us in life. He said, who is it that fears the Lord? Who he, he will do what? instruct or teach in the way that he should choose. It's a systematic thing, not command. Many of us who want to hear the Spirit want to hear, go, don't go. No, God lays principles on your heart so that you can make spiritual decisions. It's when decisions are right, according to the instructions of the Word, that you are walking in the Spirit, not when you are hearing voices. Will you ever agree if I told that Balaam was walking in the Spirit? Of course you wouldn't agree. Why? Because the Bible says he loved the wages of unrighteousness. He loved the wages of divination. He was a man who turned the stones to bread. They used to pay Balaam when people are fighting. He prophesied against whoever didn't have money to pay. No, is it not clear? I mean, if Moab was going after Ammon, you understand? The Ammonites fighting the Moabites. And Israel was not involved. You think God would be saying, go, don't go? But now we just go there and say, how much did I bring? It's okay. Let me go and ask God how I should prophesy. I don't have time to explain it. Balaam was a juju man. He was a juju man. Pay him. He did his job. He just I went and I jammed the people of Israel. Story can't change. He went again. God said, if I see, if I hear, we, you will hear, we. <laughs> <laughs> so he was not the man of the spirit. That's what I'm going to say. Even though he was seeing spiritual things clearly, even though he was hearing the voice of the Spirit, but he was not the man of the Spirit. Ah, I like to talk about the power of Balaam. Balaam was a powerful man. We used to laugh those days. That how can a man, that when the donkey started talking, Balaam should have run at that point in time. 
I say it's because you don't know who Balaam was. You think he's like you. you you're, you've never heard an animal talk before. So if if animal starts talking, you will run. Balaam used to talk to animals. It was not a strange thing. He used to call birds. They say somebody stole something. He would look around. He would look up. You see an eagle. He would call the eagle to come. You were there. Who took it? The eagle would say, I know his house. And I'm not kidding about it. And Balaam will follow. And he said, follow that eagle. Take it to where the stuff is. That's what Balaam was. Oh, you think Balaam was? Balaam was a... Balaam was... Oh, Balaam was something else. So when the donkey was talking, it wasn't strange. So what are you saying? Have you ever done like this before? If you try again, I slap you. The rest of us, he's talking to an animal. The guy used to talk to cricket. You think I'm joking? But I will call locust. Yeah, locust. Call the army, they will arrive. Destroy that farm. When Moab, when, uh, what they call Balak, sent people to come and pay him to come and help fight, fight the battle, they were not joking. But was he a spiritual man? No. His decisions were not based on knowing the will of God. His decisions were not based on following the precepts of God in his own life. I'll continue from this point. Let's end it here. Because I want to explain again that Ruth, love propels her. I'm explaining again that righteousness must propel us in every decision we are making. When we do these things, faith, that righteousness is the love of God. When we do these things, faith will build in our hearts automatically. Listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or I like their Hebrew names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those three men, they could not afford to disobey God. They said, how do we do this and sin against God? And that was why God gave them the faith to face Nebuchadnezzar. That's why he did. That's why he did. It's not like we say, with ordinary eye, they will put you in front of the furnace. You say, I will not bow. No. Something else must have entered you. Because if they use ordinary candle to burn your nostrils, you will bow. I told you that the story Pastor Corey told, and I told us last time, the story Pastor Corey told us, when, the girls, when God said to the girl, I will take care of your father, yet this man was killed by Islamic fundamentalists in his own house, a Christian in northern Nigeria. Huh? What do you mean I will take care of your father? Later on, I don't know whether the girl understood or those of us who the story understood. That for you to stand, they didn't, they didn't cut his head off all of a sudden. They cut him slowly. They cut him slowly. Do you get my point? Slowly, giving him time to change his mind. They made sure his wife and his children were watching. They cut him slowly. That you will stop this pain, just deny this Jesus. Listen, that was what God meant when he told the girl, don't worry. I will take care of your father. So a spirit possessed the man. No matter what he did, he was unflinching. If they, if they had shot him, it's a different story. If they had beheaded him, was it? No. They cut him slowly until they cut the, off the head. So God said, don't worry. I will take care of him. That is, I will pour his spirit inside him. Even if he wanted to deny me, it would be too late. He won't be able to. And he stood there and his testimony stood. Like I said last time, and he poured his spirit. That's my own understanding of it. Those guys will not sleep again. 
They've just murdered sleep. No, that's the end of it. The only day they will sleep is when they give their lives to Christ. And you now discover that that man's life will beget more, that is, this time around, virulent Christians, not buruku to drinking ones. Let's bow down our heads and say, Father, thank you for truth. Let's say, Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for liberating truth. Thank you for freedom. Just thank him. Thank him. Open your mouth and bless the name of the Lord that today you are a Christian. Today you are a child of God. Today you have an appreciation for the word of God. Today your attention is on the word of God. Today you love the word of God. Today the word of God is important to you. Just open your mouth and bless the Lord. Say, Father, I bless you. For your word dwells in me. Your word dwells in me. Your word dwells in me. Your word stimulates righteousness within me. Say, Father, I thank you. Because I enter through the gate of righteousness. Thank you for the appreciation of truth that is in your word that is in my life. Say, Father, I thank you. I thank you that I am not lost. Say, Father, I thank you for the revelation of your word. I thank you for truth. I thank you for the life of God. Father, I thank you. That the life of God is in me. Thank you, Father, for divine understanding, for the revelation of truth. Thank you for light. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for light. Father, we thank you for the light. Thank you, Lord, for the light. Thank you, Lord, for light. Father, we thank you for light. I enter through the gate of righteousness. Say, Father, I receive understanding. And I enter through the gate of righteousness. Today, Lord, I receive understanding and I enter through the gates of righteousness. I enter through the gates of righteousness. I enter through the gates of righteousness. I do not love my life unto death. Father, you are above and above all. I hold on to you. I do not love my life unto death. I follow through the gates of righteousness. In the name of Jesus, I follow through the gates of righteousness. I enter. Through the gates of righteousness. I enter through the gates of righteousness. Your truth will prevail in my life. In the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, your truth will prevail in my life. Your truth will prevail in my life. Have your way within me. Say, Lord, your truth. Your truth prevails in my life. And I enter through the gates of righteousness. I enter through the gates of righteousness. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the revelation of truth. We thank you for your word that has come forth. Let the spirit of today's word, let it possess me. Say, Lord, let the spirit of your word that has come forth today, let it possess me. Let it enter me. Let it manifest in every area of my life. Let it manifest in my family. Let it manifest in every decision that I will take. Let your revelation continually abide with me. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. Blessed be your name, mighty God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.